Hello and welcome to the second of the makeshift podcasts from our two-storey shed, uh, familiar known as the uh, Shed Scraper, at the back of the makeshift office here in uh, East London. Uh, I'm joined here with uh, Joe Scarborough, who um, is a name known uh, by many in the kind of local tech scene, something of a kind of hyper-connector, uh, the man who will introduce you to everybody you need to know and puts on uh, some pretty astounding events uh, that I've been to and enjoyed and um, I thought that he would be a great person to uh, start off this little kind of conversation series that we've had planned and uh, we're just going to have a little conversation around uh, tech, uh, East London, maybe even delve into some of Joe's murky past. Mm. <laughs> so welcome Joe, hi. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, good to have you with us. Um, That's good to be here. Um, Impressive shed. It is an say. amazing place. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Uh, you're, the, you're the first person to come in here other than the makeshift team. What are oh, your wow. first impressions? It's a privilege, yeah. Uh, apart from banging my head on the way in, um, oh. I love the stairs. They work really well. Uh, or the half stairs. The half stairs. Yeah. Each step um, is shaped so that you can only step on it in a certain way. So it's kind of prescriptive stairs. Mm. Um, yeah. So thanks for coming in. Um, I, I thought of you immediately when I thought, uh, wouldn't it be nice to have um, a space to have conversations? Mm. Um, and seeing as you've been so generous with your time and helping me along the way uh, um, and welcoming me into uh, East London, um, I thought we might just have a bit of a conversation a bit about you. I yeah, think you're sure. always talking about other people and helping other people along. Yeah. What's, what's with Joe? What's um, with me? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, mm, difficult, difficult one to start. Um, I've, I've got kind of two sides to me, uh, the kind of corporate side and the, and the startup side, um, one of which is infinitely more enjoyable. Um, so my, my background is uh, I'm an accountant um, by, by trade, if you like. don't really consider myself an accountant anymore. Um, yeah, I've trained at an oil company from the age of 17 uh, for nearly nine years. Um, that got bought out. Um, worked at a motor racing circuit in the finance department. Then moved to a tech startup, which was my first kind of introduction. Um, it was a fairly, fairly advanced tech startup. This was back in 2006. Um, they did behavioural targeting. That was a company called Touch Clarity. Um, basically, kind of using using cookies to um, uh, serve you more directed content. So it's um, those adverts that follow you around the internet. It wasn't. No, it was. It was only within um, a single site. So it was. Right. You know, um, it works very well with financial products. So if you go to I don't know, Santander's website, there's there's four containers. There's a big one and three small ones. They will randomly serve you a savings product or a mortgage product in the big advert. Um, if you were there last week looking at mortgages, you'll get mortgages. That was that was how it was um, structured. Um, but the business was very clever in that um, we did a 90% um, directed serve and then a 10% random serve. So there was a clear ROI on your investment in the targeted stuff compared to the random. Um, hence, we sold it for $51.5 million uh, in 2008, uh, which wow. was good. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, no one was really doing that. That's about the right time to have sold a startup, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, it was like a good... on the button. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and well, so, I mean, to be fair, we, we sold that to um, Omnichar out in the states, a big web analytics player, um, and then Omnichar got bought by Adobe in 2010 for 1.6 billion, I think. So, wow, there's a little tiny yeah. part of you, that's <laughs> Adobe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, crazy to think that. So, I mean, I, I was only really there for, um, well, in fact, I was there for three months before the management team um, said to me, we're looking at a Series B, but we've also been um, approached for someone to buy us. Um, so it was the, the founder 
um, and the uh, the two other senior management and me that um, kind of worked the worked the deal. So it was wow, a fantastic so you, kind of introduction. You went in right at the deep end. Yeah. yeah so yeah. most people start a startup and think, I know, what's your exit plan? Yeah, I'll put that off. Um, no, I'm no, not no, thinking yeah. about an exit. You arrived at a startup. Yeah. At the exit. At the, at the exit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which was a real. Uh, yeah. Um, it sounds like you're doing it all backwards. Yeah. Uh, you had a very corporate career. And then you didn't exit. Yep. And then now you're doing a startup. Now I'm doing a startup. Yep, that's it, that's it. But the thing is, I've got all that experience. So, yes. you know, it works well. Um, yeah, so I stayed on for a year um, to do the whole kind of integration piece. Um, and uh, just, yeah, even, even though the company that bought us was, I mean, it was listed on NASDAQ, but it was still kind of a startup um, in, the, in the way it was run. But it just wasn't, it wasn't quite startup enough for me. Mm. Um, and so yeah, I had a finance team of one in the startup, which soon grew to six under the the new thing. But six to do the same set of accounts or the, the same finance function. So they just made it very, very kind of difficult and long-winded in order to, to work with. Well, I guess you have to be robust in your accounting once you're on the uh, yeah. in, you know, in that situation. Yeah. Well, when you're listed, you know, we had, we had to get involved with you know the, the sort of guidance reporting and, and all the rest of it. So mm. it became very uh, very dull. Now, when we first met, I asked you what you did, and you mm. said, well, I'm kind of, you know, the yeah. FD of this really big company, yeah. and, you know, I'm just thinking about maybe doing a startup. Yeah. Um, and this was, uh, it wasn't that long ago, really. It was, uh, yeah, it was last year. Yeah. yeah. Beginning of last year. And so. the change in the way that you, uh, the way you look, the way you <laughs> act, way that, it's almost like you've become a different person. Maybe you yeah. could tell, tell, tell us a bit about life before and after the uh, the escape the city uh, yeah. bit. Um, yeah, so after the startup, I went back into an oil company as um, FD, so CFO, um, in charge of HR, finance, legal, um, and IT, um, which is clearly a, a, a you know, passion of mine. Um, and it was good. We, we scaled the company. It was, I don't know, maybe 50 people. We took it up to 80 um, made five times as much money. Um, it was it was kind of a big small company, so eighty people, ten offices around the world, two and a half billion dollar turnover, but very small kind of margins. Um, really interesting. It was owned by a um, South African company, so I got a whole bunch of travel to to South Africa. Um, our Far East head office was Singapore, so I've done Singapore. We opened an office in Rio. It was in a typical kind of corporate management, you know, lots of lots of stress and lots of you know kind of work to get the company where we wanted it, but also lots of you know, nice kind of business class travel and, and, and all the rest of it. So I was very, um, uh, yeah, typically, typically corporate, really. Um, a suit. That's, a suit. What that's what we're talking about here, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Shiny yeah. shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Tie. No tie. No, no, no tie. tie. Oh, right, you're that kind of corporate. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I refuse to wear a tie. Um, occasionally, maybe when I met the bank and I wanted some money. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, it, was, it was really good. Um, but after about sort of two, two and a half years, I started feeling a bit kind of jaded by it all. Um, the company was looking at doing lots of different things, maybe moving the head office, maybe not, you know, and I just seemed to be going down a lot of, a lot of dead ends with, you know, the, the direction that my job was going in. Um, to be quite honest, IT got uh, taken away from me and, and given to somebody who had virtually no IT experience um, because my boss didn't really understand IT and um, couldn't see, couldn't understand the reasons why certain things were behind or, or weren't being delivered or, or weren't even possible. Um, so that was a bit that was kind of writing on the wall for me, really. Um, especially when I, I sat in a meeting and um, with the new uh, person who was in charge of IT, and they and they couldn't ask answer the, the, the person's question that was asking them. We went through 
a kind of sale of half the company and the, the person that was acquiring it was asking you know what sort of systems we use and they said Microsoft um, so <laughs> right fairly fairly uh, like broad brush yeah, yeah, approach yeah. to uh, we, we use IT. computers <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh, yeah I thought I thought at that point that you know the writing's on the wall sounds um, like a kind of ministerial IT role where you know <laughs> you're given the, uh, yeah. the portfolio but you don't you need to know too much detail because someone else is going to brief you yeah yeah <laughs> it was um, it was crazy but anyway um, so I moved on I, I quit in uh, February last year um, and started actively going to a whole bunch of different tech events. Um, such as the one that we met. Such as the one we met at, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and Silicon Drink about obviously being um, one of the first ports of call. Um, I went to London New Finance, which kind of made me feel a little bit more safe because I obviously know about finance, and that's a, bit, a kind of, you know, startup tech-focused um, finance meetup. Um, yeah, I just met a, a whole bunch of the type of people I was working with in, in 2006 and startups, you know, very kind of bright and articulate and really passionate about what they're doing. Um, as opposed to the you know the, the corporate people who are still still bright and articulate, but they, they just they just don't work in the same way. There's not that same kind of drive and, and passion. That's um, interesting because um, you know you do have this kind of class of person who self describes as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I, it is possible to be very entrepreneurial when you're in a large organisation. You really mm. can because what you have is the advantage of coming up with an idea and then having a ready market where you can try the idea out. Mm. Um, and that's not something that a startup um, has. No, so. but you, you also need the, uh, the buy-in and the ability to, to, to do that. If, the, if, if management doesn't, you know, if you've got a crazy idea as a startup, you can just do it. Yes. If you've got a crazy idea in a corporate, you need a whole load of buy-in and sign-off before you can even approach the customer base with it because of the, you know, the effects. You know. um, so, yeah, I, th I, think, I think there's a lot of corporates doing, doing that entrepreneur innovation thing. Um, but there's also a lot that just don't don't get it because there's no there's no senior management buying. Interesting. So the um, the approach for you was go and find interesting people. Mm. It's not quite a good strategy. To yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know if I really had an approach. I just thought you know the, I need to go and find out about what what the community is, what it what, what it's doing now. Um, I mean, I, I don't really feel like when I was in a startup before I was part of. A tech community. There wasn't that kind of critical mass that East London has got, or um, or London has got now. Um, it was it was just us over in um, Fitzroy Square, um, in New Warren Street. And um, yeah, I just thought the more conversations I can have, the more I'm going to be kind of prepared and and know what to do next. I, d I really didn't have a have a goal. I, I certainly wasn't going to um, suddenly start something myself without doing a whole bunch of, uh, of research and, and having a bit more in my in my armory. Mm. So um, you uh, you were kind of a bit of a free spirit around that time. <laughs> Absolutely. I yeah. remember bumping into a few different events. Joe, what are you up to? What's happening? You yeah. know, I'm just kind of scoping things out. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's quite a similar approach to the, um, what I often talk about. Um, this kind of idea of accelerating from serendipity. Mm. Going to events, uh, being aware that something good might happen and being in a kind of yes and mood mm. um, yep. seems to me that you're you you kind of threw yourself into us into that into that kind of opportunity space and went okay well I wonder what's going to happen yeah <coughs> did you have anything in mind as the kind of thing you wanted to go for no in a word I, I was fairly sure that I didn't want to do what anybody would expect me to do um, you know, and I, I suppose there would be a certain expectation for me to do something in finance. Not, not really. Like I, I was good at it, but 
it was just the path that I took. It wasn't, it wasn't a real kind of passion. Um, and I found out through doing this, you know, um, kind of intensive um, event attending and, and, and the rest of it, that I'm actually really passionate about connecting people and, and helping. Um, and that's... Um, it's and quite that's unusual kind of, because you were, you were yeah. in a role where you were somebody who reported to a very small number of people to mm. the board yeah, yeah. Uh, and you uh, maybe spoke to some suppliers and kind of got some documents and accounts together mm. but that wasn't a connecting role that was a no uh, no not at all an ivory tower not role really yeah i mean I, I think i think my path up to that point was very much you know unless i made a conscious decision to move off of that road it was just it was headed in one direction and that was that was finance and corporates and, and all the rest of it um and it took it took a good while for me to realise that actually that's not what made me get out of bed in the morning. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, so, what about the risk? <laughs> Where was the parachutes? <laughs> Where was the parachute? Well, my my old job, I mean, to be quite honest, was 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 well paid. Um, so I'm in a I'm in a position um, where, uh, unlike most startups, um, I can I can work with a fairly fairly low salary um, and and. Uh, not be too much trouble, um, which is, is, you know, it's a massive um, uh, parachute, if you like, um, just in terms of not having that worry. Um, so, yeah, that, that gives me a bit of freedom. And I, I kind of have to remind myself of that sometimes when I'm when I'm talking to people and I'm sort of saying, well, you just need to do it. Just go and do it. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. that's you know, what, what I see as restrictions are actually just executing um, other people's restrictions are very, you know, very much financial. Yes, um, and um, that's often the the concern. If you say to someone, "Hey, just go and do a startup," exactly, they look at the, you like you're kind of slightly insane because yeah. you know they've got kids, the mortgage. Yep. It's very difficult to do, to kind of make a big a big change like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and especially when you say things like, "It doesn't matter how you're going to exit. It doesn't matter how you're going to make any money. If you believe in it, just go and do it." And they think, yeah, they look at you even more so and go, mm, "Not so sure about that." Yes. Well, probably wisely. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, absolutely, absolutely. In yeah. many senses. Yeah. Um, so, um, what happened in those early early uh, conversations you had with the other three beards? Um, because you were go attending events just like I was, and you were kind of getting net ne kind of well networked. Yeah, um, yeah. So you, something must have really sparked your interest about the potential of of what's of, of what the three beards is all about. Yeah. So I mean, it it kind of came about quite quite sort of slowly. In that you know, I, I was going to Silicon Drink about, really enjoyed it, great bunch of people. Um, and uh, there was a, there was an evening when we had a venue that ran out of beer, like, drunk and dry basically, and we had to move everybody. And I was thinking this isn't this isn't kind of well, it, it was good from away. Like, everyone's walking down the street having a chat to people they'd never met before. Like that was kind of cool. But we didn't really have it planned for where it was going. You know, drink about was booked on the Wednesday for the Friday night. Um, and I just said to the guys, look, I'm in and around the area all day every day pretty much. Um, do you want me to help with finding some venues? And they sort of said, "Yeah, why not?" Like you know, there was no, there was nothing more to it than that. They said, "You know, the guys offering us help. Let's, you know, doesn't seem like it's a side really thing. informal. You just, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll just lend a hand." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, there, there was, yeah. there, you know, there were, it was just very, very, um, very casual. Yeah, why not? So I did that from sort of um, April to to July, and then with the digital sizzle event that Ben basically got uh, headhunted by uh, by Number Ten, um, there was a, you know. Um, a spare beard position, if you like, um, and lots of things happened at the same time. So Three Beards didn't exist as a brand until July last year, when we added Don't Pitch Me Bro. Or, sorry, they added Don't Pitch Me Bro, 
and Ben was sort of being courted by the government as well. So the three things pretty much happened at the same time. So Ben left, I joined, we launched Don't Pitch Me Bro, and Three Beards as a brand was, was kind of born. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, I always describe myself as a replacement beard. Replacement beard. <laughs> the false beard. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think yeah. you're well, well, uh, well grown in. Um, yeah. in. Obviously, you can't hear uh, listeners, uh, but um, Joe is sporting a pretty uh, terrific example of a beard here. It's, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, in fact, we'll, we'll need to take a photograph afterwards there we go. For, for context yeah. um, in the yeah. shed. Um, so the those early days, you kind of just threw yourself in, Absolutely. and uh, yeah. you obviously saw some big potential in what uh, Three Beards is about. But I, se- I sense it's not just what London is about; it's about what Europe is about and what tech is ha- what's happening in tech. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think it's you know like any startup, we've, we've kind of learned as, as we've gone along, and, and we weren't even a startup for, for eighteen months. It was just you know some guys organising events because they thought it benefited the community. Um, and it, it, you know, we've kind of learned from that that it does benefit the community. You know, the, the feedback and, and the reputation that we've built up is is pretty good. Um, and um, I sort of said to the guys that in the middle of well, m- middle towards the end of last year, you know, we've got something that most startups really, really want, um, and we're not even a startup. We're not. You know, it's not a business. We just we just run it because. We feel like it's um, the right thing to do. And I think you have. Way. You're onto a, a, yeah. a really interesting thing. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in events. I think that events are really powerful things. <clears throat> um, when I first arrived in London, um, I sadly was kind of working a bit too hard to go to many events. Mm. And I remember when I was doing my last startup, kind of sitting in a dark room, coding most of the time, and not going out and meeting loads of people. Mm. Um, and it felt that that was the wrong thing to be doing. So at Makeshift now, I'm making sure I get out and I speak to lots of people. Mm. Um, and I think that if, you, if you're clever about which events you go to, you can't go to everything, you have to go to the, the right kinds of events, mm. um, you can really get conversations that you can't really get anywhere else. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the, the infinite number of variables in anybody's kind of character and whatever, there's an infinite amount of conversations you can have. Yeah. You know? um, and I, I love the fact that we're doing something in tech um, but it's all about people. You know, tech is, you know, you sit in front of your screen, it's on your phone, it's on your iPad, you know, it's on a whole bunch of different devices. But actually, what makes it tick and what makes it a better industry is those face-to-face connections that are away from all of that. Um, it's funny, isn't it? it, it yeah. all, all this technology together is back together to talk. Exactly, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I really like that about it, you know. I could, I could literally just spend all day just talking to people um, and, you know, and, and kind of connecting people, but... Unfortunately, it doesn't quite to pay the bills. So, um, no, indeed, yeah. uh, you, you have to be uh, uh, doing other things as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, the um, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, why East London, uh, because there is a particularly interesting thing happening at the moment, and I think you're, you've got a an unusually up to the minute kind of view on mm. uh, kind of wide cross section of what's happening. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the state of uh, state of play. What's, what's it like at the moment? Yeah, um, ever changing. I would say um, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of development. There's a lot of um, people changing spaces to be co-working spaces or incubators. Or you know, there's there's a lot of support around um, the, the 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 kind of tech scene. And I, it is East London. Um, you know, it was it was originally East London because it was it was a fairly cheap place to live. 
um, it is getting more expensive, and I think other hubs will pop up. You know, I mean, they already have. There's um, there's a whole bunch of different places. You know, the, the, the Wire Academy over on Tottenham Court Road has kind of said to everybody that it doesn't need to be East London. You can have a, you know, and there are, there's a few kind of startups around that area now. Um, obviously, you've got Level 39 for financial startups, and I think the development that's going on in Canary Wharf with Woodwolf will, will kind of enhance that. Uh, St. Catherine's Dock are, are setting something up. You know, um, uh, further east in, in, out in um, Hackney, there's, there's more spaces popping up. So it, it is an East London thing, and, and I really believe in the accelerated serendipity of walking past people in the street because you all work in the same area. But uh, I think just the, the general kind of evolution of things, it will start to move out. The area will become um, more popular and therefore more expensive. It's just a wider trend that technology is becoming more important to London generally, and that this is just a natural course that Absolutely. more and more of these uh, places will yeah. spawn. And, and I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's London. You know, in the, in the just London, in, in the same way that you know um, there are little hubs popping up around uh, non-East London places. Um, you've got Manchester, and you've got Newcastle, and you've got Edinburgh, and you've got Brighton as, as kind of uh, we're already in technology. But those communities are just kind of pulling themselves together a bit more to create a bit more critical mass in, in what they've got there. Um, so I, I think that, you know, and, and that's really what we're, uh, you know, as, as Three Beers are about. So we've launched Drink About in a whole bunch of different locations. And it's about getting that critical mass of people, whether it's once a week on a Friday night in a pub or whether it's physically in the same way as East London and, and you can walk past, you know, seven people before you get to your office that you know. Um, and I think that is really, really valuable. Um, just, just in terms of that kind of communication and validation and on, on everything you're doing. And the same as you were saying, conversations are, are important. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I've, I've seen that you've kind of you've spread as far as uh, Amsterdam uh, with mm. one of your events. Um, it's interesting for me to think about uh, not just the regions <coughs> and the nations of um, the UK, um, but to think about our place in Europe. So mm. uh, there's a little bit of dialogue going on as as always with is is it. Is it Berlin? Is it London as the kind of leader of the tech scene in Europe? Mm. I'm kind of not too interested in that debate, you know, A versus B. I think it's kind of pointless. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what do you think about the, um, uh, the connectivity uh, of uh, Britain and Europe? Do you think that we are kind of coming closer together? Is that what you're trying to do by spreading the brand into Europe? Um, yes. I mean, we want there to be a kind of... Um a European or even global community um, of of startup people. You know, I mean, if you, in terms of event progression, you know, maybe once we've got ten, ten cities that have got Silicon Drink about across the world, then we have an annual Silicon Drink about conference or something. And then everybody comes together from a, a bunch of really diverse and varied startup communities to meet in a in a place where you know, uh, and you can get even more amazing conversations because you know if you if you bother to travel somewhere then you believe that you you, know, you walk into the room with that yes something can happen here it's like yeah uh, kind of the uh the event equivalent of a co-working space membership that where they've got spaces yeah. all around the world yeah. that's quite ambitious because you could be saying that every friday in every major city you you can always know that you can just go to go to drink about exactly <clears throat> yeah and that and that's why the event is the well, it's not why the way the event is, it is because that's kind of how it happened. But accessibility and uh, consistency are, are the two core values of it. You know, it's every Friday, pretty much. Um, and there's no, you know, the, the, it's not full of, you know, fill out this, we need to know who you are, we need, we're going to introduce you to X people. It's just come along and talk to people, and you'll find your own 
kind of connections and, and your own value in the event. You know? I don't think I got that before about the scale of the ambition because I think that you you wanted well, something there. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the, the, the scale of it has, has evolved as you know as Three Beards as, a, as an organisation has evolved. Um, you know, we're obviously with the, with the Chew the Fat event, we, we've now got uh, enough kind of gravitas to invite some fairly important people to come and speak at our event for the benefit of the community, um, and that I think that speaks volumes as to as to where we are sort of positioned. Um, you know, and we it's. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to, to having seen it kind of evolve from um, from two events um, to, to to where we are now and the, the kind of um, yeah the, the reputation we've got. It's um, yeah, it's quite quite humbling, really. Your um your address book must be amazing. <laughs> After all of this, you must know yeah, so many people. <clears throat> it is yeah, it is pretty crazy. Um, Do you find that um, that uh, the your ability to uh, make introductions is um, something that is uh, that other people could, could kind of learn from because I, th I often find people who um, just aren't aware that they can always ask someone for an introduction mm. um, and I think it's when you have people who organize these kinds of connections between lots of people mm. that they become quite valuable um, in in the community because you can say oh right I need to reach someone but maybe maybe Joe will know who that will be yeah I mean it's it's difficult for us because obviously you know uh, I mean I've done uh, two or three already this week um, but I don't yeah it's, it's one of those things where if, if we said come to us for connections then we would literally spend our entire time making connections which which is good but again going back to that thing it doesn't it doesn't pay the bills um so i'm um, yeah I, th I think it is important for people to ask um but as as three beards we can't be seen as you know lots of people that we don't know coming to us saying oh yeah, can you so help me get in touch with the equivalent of the uh, linkedin well yeah uh, uh, yeah <laughs> it, would, it, would, it would become it would have become quite difficult um but uh, no I so mean, that's yeah. interesting so you decided what you're not and there's a lot of organizations who run meetups trying mm. to kind of do everything um and yeah. they there's a sense that it's their community that you're going to be part of rather than your community you're going to be part of. Yeah. Subtle, really, really subtle. Yeah. Um, and when I see it, other people doing meetups where, you know, you have to sign up and you have to put a badge on and, mm. you've got to, and, you, and you have like a, a little colour code. Uh, are you a developer? Yeah. Are yep, you yep, a yep. finance person yeah. or whatever? And you're like, mm, I'm not quite sure what this is. Why yeah. we're doing this. Um, yeah. But I think, I, I think with, you know, particularly you and I uh, kind of, you can't really put us in a box. No. You know, just like stick all the colours on. You know, I but do do that. Exactly. Like, I, always work I think even at your events where you have some kind of delinea uh, yeah. delineation between people, I like, always end up with both wristbands exactly. on. Exactly. Like, you know, um, and I, I, think, I think it's important for people to realise that, you know, just because you're particularly good at one thing, it doesn't mean you're not good at other stuff. Well, you're the perfect example because you yeah. uh, last year you your job title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's radically different to the job to, title you have today. Yeah. So it's amazing how you can make that change. I, I, I think yeah. that's one of the reasons I wanted to invite you in because you are almost the poster child for um, <laughs> somebody who's very experienced in a particular industry who wants to get into startup mm. uh, has potentially a window where they could do it yeah and I think your story is one that I often point point to hmm. um, you know you can just go and you can, you can just go and do something entirely new yeah and people reinvent themselves all the time uh, yeah. you're, you're, you're like the startup Madonna <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah, <laughs> except with a beard maybe yeah <laughs> Madonna with a beard uh-huh yeah so yeah. yes I, <laughs> moving, <laughs> moving on from that that bizarre <laughs> mental image <laughs> 
Oh dear, that's what that's going <laughs> to stick, isn't it? I now know what we're going to tweet so we put this out. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. So, I mean, is is there something? So is, is there some piece of advice? I know, you always ask this when you're speaking to someone who has a different area of expertise. But is there a, a kind of is there one thing that you've learned in that one year that you could say to someone who's in a similar position where they're thinking, you know, I just want to quit my job. I want to go and do something I'm more yeah. passionate about. What would, what would it be? I suppose it's, I suppose it's really cliched, but you know, just just try it out. You, know, you, you don't have to quit your job. Go, go and do, I mean, I, I did a whole bunch of events before I, I quit my job to find out what it was like. Um, just go and go and try it in some in some way, you know, um, before you leap. You know, um, I've been an accountant for God knows how many years and, and accountants are traditionally conservative. And, and I was, I'm not particularly anymore. Um, so I didn't I didn't do this. I didn't just one day go, hey, bang, I'm going to do something different. You know, it's, it's not that kind of uh, instant. But yeah, just just try it in some small way and, and really find out what you want to do. You know, and it's that whole getting out of bed in the morning. You know, it's not. I kind of like this, and I think I can make some money doing it. Um, it's if I had a choice of doing anything, this is what I would want to do, irrespective of pay or location or anything else. This is what gets my pulse racing. And if you do that, then you will always find a way. That's that's what I think. That's an inspirational idea. It really is. I mean, mm. you, you, you're you very lucky to be in a position to be, be able to do that. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, yeah. I think the, the thing that I've learned is that um, often people can think that it's impossible to take that step because of their, their circumstances. Mm. Yet, actually, you see examples of people doing just that, uh, put, putting a bit of kind of faith in and saying, you know, it'll yeah. work out along the way. Um, mm. So, I mean, that's... Do, do you find that other people around you... Um, uh, who who were kind of back with you when you were in that other role now look at you in a different way? Uh, absolutely, yeah. And do you still have conversations with them? Do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I still I still see some of them. In fact, um, can't really talk about that. No, no, that's fine. No, no. So, and <laughs> something has happened at my old company that has made me kind of speak to everybody a, a okay. bit more recently. And uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting to see how they approach me. And, and, you know, my, my kind of social group of friends as well um, is obviously massively widened through doing what I'm doing. But my um, my school friends, if you like, and there's quite a close-knit group of sort of 10 of us still from, from you know, when we were 11. Uh, I, I don't really, I don't think they know what I do. You know, there's a couple of them who have got similar or, or related, uh, they're in a related industry. But the rest of them don't really know what I do. Like, I joke off, he's grown a bit, he's got a bit mental. <laughs> really? Is well, that, yeah, because like, I've, I've gone thing? through, you know, I, I probably see them or, or, or some of them, you know, once every couple of months or something like that. And, you know, from, from, from the external perspective, I've gone from being the CFO of an oil company to this dude with a beard who goes to work in trains and T-shirts and they don't, he's doing the startup thing. You know, they, it's not in their sphere of, of kind of understanding. Um, or not, not all of them. Like, some of them get it. But, um, but yeah, they're just like, no, he's, he's gone with it. Like, they, just, they call me Santa. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the mental image is getting stranger and stranger. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it's um, it's. But presumably, it's that's fun. quite a barrier as well to people making a, a quite a, such a dramatic shift in their working life. Yeah, and that the outside perceptions of you as a person can mm. really alter. And when you're in a, a social environment, you've got good social connections. Then, do you find? Do you think you're going to lose some friends along the way? Presumably. 
Yeah, really? I mean, possibly. I mean, you know, from my kind of personal journey, if you like, um, the a big kind of motivator for me to really look at what I was doing and you know why I was didn't really want to get out of bed in the morning uh, was was my wife. Um, she's uh, finished a, a master's in therapeutic counselling, so we'd been discussing a whole bunch of you know psychology and and, and, and stuff over the five years that she was training. And that, that brought about a change in me that said, you know what, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this job? I guess you really have to uh, kind of interrogate yourself. You do, yeah. Rachel was always saying to me, um, you don't ever do any reflection, Joe. Like, sit down and think, you know. Don't play on your Xbox, don't be on your iPhone. Just sit down in a quiet room and just think about what you actually want. Um, and that was, that was a real kind of push for me. And I think that helps you address those kind of social barriers to doing something as well because if you've if you've got the confidence in yourself and the um uh, the, the, that kind of internal drive to say do you know what this is what i want to do and if and if people can't accept that or i don't fit into the the model of what they expect me to be then that's unfortunately their problem you know and it's it's a very um it's a very empowering uh, kind of realization to have that um uh, and, and I suppose it can be seen as a bit kind of arrogant and belligerent from the outside. But it, when you when you have that, it's actually uh, uh, it's hugely kind of um, satisfying to really be confident in yourself. Um, and I, I'm not sure how many people or, or what stage in their life they get to that. I think that's certainly what brought about the change in me. The, the reflection point is really strong because I have been through similar this uh this summer I started mm. writing um, mm. and just sitting down and spending a few hours really thinking through on a thought and getting some text out and you know mm. and then immediately publishing it a lot of people say you don't even need to publish no. Uh, no. I think the writing process is um, something I hadn't really spotted before as something to pay attention to mm. I just thought it was you know quite um, egoistical egoistic yeah. Egoistic. Yeah. Egotistical. Egotistical. Yeah. Egoistical. Yes, <laughs> whatever the word is. Um, the, uh, the idea that you would just give yourself time just to think about yourself and talk about yourself. And then mm. um, I, I wasn't really aware that that process helps you really think about what you're doing um, and make changes in your own behavior. Mm. And certainly that's what I found at Makeshift, where I, I write something about the process mm. and then that changes the process. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that I think your wife has given you some very good advice. Of, <laughs> advice there. She's she's amazing. Um, um, and I was going to ask about her involvement in this um, because the that's that's a strong pressure. Your home life mm. to take take a big jump and a big change mm. uh, to flip things entirely. Uh, you have to have a very strong relationship and you have to have a very kind of understanding Ab relationship to, be able to do that. Absolutely. I mean, the the irony is that uh, you know in in my. In my corporate job, I yeah, I worked I worked longish hours, um, and you know if there was more work to do, I would do it. But I spent probably twice as much time at home than when I do now. Um, so the the kind of um, uh, the influence that Rachel has had um, has uh, allowed me to go and do something that that I'm really kind of passionate about, but has actually meant that we spend less time together. Um, Damn. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, this this year has been a real challenge for me for balance in in lots of different ways. So mm. your whole your whole writing thing, um, I've not even really read a huge amount this year mm. because I've just been headlong into three beards, 
really trying to get it up on its up on its feet as a as a business um, uh, and to make it sustainable. Um, and yeah, that's that's taken time out of out of my home life, and it's taken time out of you know the, the kind of reading thing is is a little it's kind of work, but like that whole work life balance thing is a bit of a blur because if you're if you're really passionate about your work, it doesn't feel like work. Well, so, yeah. So I uh, embarrassingly enough, I was up at two thirty this morning, <laughs> um, uh, admittedly making something for Emily, um, but I was in there coding and checking things. Mm. And, you know, sometimes you just wake up and then that's that. You're yeah. on it and yep. you've got to do it. Um, I do try to make sure there's a bit of balance in what I do and I mm. leave at a set time. But with your business, your model, yeah. your set time is... Whenever. <laughs> it's like, you know, Whenever, yeah. it's it's kind of there's a day job and then if you're running an event in the evening, yeah, like it's a, it's an 18-hour day or, or whatever. And then it sounds like we've discovered an area that you need to focus on. Oh, uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, reflection. Absolutely, yeah. No, no, I, I got there. I got there um, when we had our summer party. Um, I had to leave my Mac at, at, the, at the party and go down to my dad's 60th birthday party on the coast. Um, and I hadn't planned to leave my Mac there. So, But I just had this weekend when I didn't have my computer. Like, I'm just not... I'm, I'm never without it, really. And it just really kind of reminded me. It was almost like enforced reflection. Um, that actually you need some you need some away time, some downtime, and I'd, I I knew that I just wasn't really practicing what I preached, um, and that was a real nice, short, sharp. Do you know you need to you need to address this right now, um, and it was yeah it was a good um, accidental lesson. It's good to have an occasional wake up, right? Mm, absolutely, uh, yeah. and they often do come when something fails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, something broke. Oh, actually, my behaviour here probably isn't very yeah. correct. Um, yep. Yes, but worth bearing that in mind. Mm. So, you, obviously, there are loads of other people in London who are um, who are looking at what you're doing and thinking that's you know that's really inspirational. I want to be mm. putting on my own meetup. I want to be organising things in a similar way. Mm. Um, are there, are there any nuggets that you could share about uh, what you should or shouldn't do yeah, if the, you were if you're following in a similar path? The best the best advice, and it's is something that we always follow, is if you want to create an event, create something that you would want to go to, and then if you if you do that, then all of the other people that have similar feelings about an event as you will like your event. You know that's that's all that's all that the guys did in the early stages. You know. Do something that you would like to come to. Do you want to be talked to for two hours by someone who's slightly salesy? No. Well, then you're not coming to our, our events. You know what I mean? Do you do you want to um, drink beer and eat food? Maybe there's a little presentation for five or ten minutes, and then the rest of the time is yours to go and find people that you're interested in. Yes. Let's do that then. You know, it, it really is that simple, um, and it and it, you know, it just it just becomes more complicated when when other Things get involved with it. You like sponsors that want to, to kind of talk for a long time, or or talk to a community in the wrong way. You know, you have to you have to think about. You know, if that was me in the audience, would I, would I want that guy to or that you know want to, to talk to me in that way? No. So focusing on yourself as an example as an example of someone who yeah. would attend it, and then yeah. making sure that you would enjoy it. Hmm. Or or if you don't think that you're a you know representative of your community, just speak to a couple of people. You know, just. In the same way that you should talk to everybody about your startup and say, "This is what I'm doing. What do you think?" Um, do if you're an event. Yeah. Treat your event like, like a, a startup. startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, hmm. So, is there um, anything coming up that's uh, exciting? Ooh. That's uh, maybe um, you know a little Easter egg for the 
the, the guys who've actually made it through this half hour or however many <laughs> minutes it is uh, as a little nugget of something that uh, will uh, get that appetite going for us yeah. in the future. Uh, look, look out for an announcement soon for a silicon drink about that's not in Europe. Well, there wow. we go. Wow. <laughs> There's a nugget. So it's Russia then. <laughs> I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> He's not giving me a tell here. <laughs> nope. We'll have to wait and see. Nope. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So really international now. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's fantastic yep. to get a chance to talk to you at the beginning of something that's spreading around the world. Yeah. And um, it was really good to talk to you about your story. Thank you very much Thank for no, sharing some of that. I uh, talk. I've. I've, I've uh, I've done it now. I've spoken to you. <laughs> yeah. It's on record. It's on record. Um, yeah. It's a good story yeah. to, to share, and um, I hope that um, other people who are in similar situations where they want to kind of leave a job and do something they care about more mm. um, can take some inspiration from you. I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope so. Great story. That'd be nice. Thanks for coming to the shed. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. That was the uh, second of our shed casts. Um, and uh, if you'd like to appear on the show um, and have a similar conversation, then do just drop me a line. I'm Steph.